guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Hope you guys had an excellent weekend. We're going to talk about carburetors today. This is literally the carburetor episode, Chris. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about uh, your C10 a little bit. We're going to yep. talk about my 911. We're going to talk about UPS. It's going <laughs> to be it's going to be really really good. But before we get into the updates on your C10, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box, as you by now, I'm sure know, is a monthly subscription service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, shirts, hats, garage gear, stickers, publications. They put all the latest and greatest together and ship it right there to your doorstep. There's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, costs less than 20 bucks a month at $19.95, and the Petrobox Premium gets you twice the gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out on mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout and that'll get you six bucks off your first order. So over the last week or so since we last talked about your C10, you have put Air Ride on it. So no, can, I haven't, Chris. So you can have it No, at that. I haven't. Why not? Because Why are you I putting just, Air Ride on that? Just, you could just put analog Air Ride on that thing. A really simple system. I'm sure it's like seven dollars. Seven dollars, huh? I'm, whatever. I'm sure you could probably eight, do like it. Chinese Air Ride is still like eight hundred dollars for analog stuff. That is so cheap. Oh my god. I know. That is ridiculous. But then cheap. it's gonna break in the first two miles. Mm, maybe. So let's <laughs> say you get some get some decent bags for it. Right. Get some. I bet you're fifteen hundred bucks in, and that yeah. thing is Air Ride with switches. Yeah. Come I'll on. do that over the winter. Switches get bitches, dude. Come I know. on, what are you I'll doing? I'll do it over the winter. No. Right. Is that a promise? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead I have these adjustable uh, coil spring perches, basically, that I'm yeah. putting in the front. Yeah. Because I cut them way too low. I took off two coils, which you can do, but I also didn't realize I was have drop spindles, yeah, two and a half I inch drop spindles. About that. That's... So it's just, it's too much. Yeah. So it's way too low. I have these adjustable coil spring Did you put things. those in? No, they've been sitting here because what finally came was my brake master cylinder uh-huh. and brake proportioning valve. That's so why I... you took my Mighty Vac. Yeah. Did that work? I haven't gotten there yet okay. because I mounted the master cylinder, got it all bench bled, which is interesting. You got to basically bleed it on the bench so that you get all the all the uh, air out of right. the pistons itself. Otherwise, you'll never be able to bleed right. the system. You don't need to bench bleed if you're using something like a power bleeder or a Mighty Vac. Mm. Well, I did. Okay. Uh, did that, mounted it up, got everything set to go, and then got the lines, because I'm, I'm going to keep all the lines in the truck the same, but it was all one single system. Did you take my flaring thing, too? Yes. Okay. That worked great. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, did you use the double uh, bubble? Double bubble, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> double bubble sounds, I'm hungry. <laughs> I know. No one has any idea what we're talking about, unless you've ever flared your own brake lines. Well, tell them what a double bubble is. All right, so, yeah, you have an aluminum tube that is your brake line, right? And you can either have the cone drive right into it that'll flare it open. So yep. you have a cone on the end of it. Or what you can do is first you basically smush it so you have kind of like a fat section of the tube and then you do the cone seat on top of that so it flares out and then back in on itself. Right. And it's it's just, it looks cooler. Yeah, and it works great. It and does. It's a little stronger of a, of a connection. Right. So I have the lines bent, hooked up to the master cylinder. Are you doing cylinder. all new lines across the whole? Not the all new lines. You no, know, my father-in-law has an old Dodge truck 
Okay. Like, I can't, I think it's like 52, 1952. Okay. It runs and drives, but there's no brakes. We should go up there and fix the brakes on that thing and drive it back. Sure. It's about, it'd be about like a, it's like an hour drive. We can go up there, we can mess I'm around game. with it. It'd be, it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do I'm that game. before winter. All right. Yeah. So what's, sorry, um, go ahead. So no, the, the brakes had actually been gone through like a couple years ago. So the lines are all fine, but it's all on one circuit and I can't have that. So what I'm doing is running two new lines up to where the fronts tee each other. Is this the same same master cylinder as you had before? No, no, no. This is all new master cylinder. But the same model, or did you get one that's got no, no, no. different this circuits? Is, this is dual master cylinder okay. that's also uh, vacuum assist for power brakes and also has the proportioning valve because I have disc brakes in the front now and still running drums in the rear. Where do you get vacuum off of for that? Uh, the intake manifold. So you don't, well, I suppose you don't have, you only have one butterfly. So you can right, just, exactly. do you have to tap it? Uh, there's already a line for the positive crankcase vent. Okay. So I'm tapping off of that line to get vacuum. So you're going to send a bunch of oil into your master cylinder, mm. uh, your power booster. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's probably not a good I'm idea. I'm going to tap somewhere else. Yeah. Then. <laughs> I'm going to go it. somewhere else, Chris. Good <laughs> okay. plan. Good point there. Um, so anyway, so I'm running two new lines off the master, one to go to the existing front cross line yep. where the front brakes and then where the rear line comes up i'm just connecting onto that why don't you do the cross circuit. the you know the crossway thing so that way you if something fails if one side fails, that's not how this master cylinder is set up oh, you yeah. have a front circuit and you have a rear circuit you know you can do whatever you want right you could just do one side left and right and then left and right front and back that way yeah but i don't have two proportioning valves Oh, okay. I need to proportion the amount of fluid and pressure that goes to the front versus the rear to compensate for the... Uh, Are you going to put a line lock in? No, so I'm not going to put a line lock in. Can that in. thing do a burnout? It can because it has a granny gear. So it has a four-speed <laughs> transmission, but instead of it being labeled like L for low gear, there's a granny gear. Is it labeled G? No, it's it's labeled <laughs> just one. It's just one and okay. then two. So when you're driving it normally, you just start out in second gear the whole time. Right. And I had to read Is to it figure a this out. Then? So like, it's a three-speed with, with a granny it. gear. Okay. Okay. But so I was always putting it in first and I was like, man, this is short because <laughs> you're just wow. And so when you put it in first and try to accelerate normally, it just lights up the rear. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So you can do a burnout in the granny gear for sure. Also, did you see my video on Instagram about the carburetor? Yes. Squirting fuel, literally squirting fuel onto the hot, onto the manifold. It's a fire waiting to happen. Yes. I've never Although, seen it, that happen. Does it draw through vacuum? Does it come out when it's running? No, it doesn't because it's a huge vacuum leak. So it's yeah. just pulling in air. Right. So it's not a fire hazard when running. But if it's like hot and I go to start it again and pump fuel into it, yeah. and then it just that it would ignite. It's actually squirting fuel, squirting out, of fuel the side. out of the side of the carburetor in the little throttle onto uh, the intake manifold. Yes. Yeah. And also because it's a cross flow or counter flow head, the exhaust manifold's right under there too. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah great. It's great. It's great. But anyway, so as I'm taking that apart to get that sent out and rebushed, um, I'm looking at the. Can you just, do you rebuild that or does, do you just buy a new one? You, it's an old Rochester carb, so parts aren't that available. I thought you were going to do side drafts on this thing. Yeah, at some point. I just want to get it on the road for the fall, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. So uh, I sent that out to get rebushed. And while I'm looking at this intake manifold, there's also a weird valve I'm looking at in the exhaust. So being a counterflow head, you have your exhaust manifold right under your intake manifold right. on the same side of the head. So I was talking to my dad. He goes, oh, yeah, that's the heat riser valve. Are you familiar with a heat riser valve? I have no idea what that is. Okay, it's also called sometimes an EFE or early fuel evaporator. 
And here's what it is. So in your intake manifold, you literally have a butterfly valve, okay? And after the butterfly valve, this is after all of the primary exhaust ports come together in your log manifold, okay? okay? So it's like it's going to be coming down then like what a downpipe would be. Okay. In that section, there's a, there's a butterfly valve and it either takes that hot exhaust gas. Exhaust. Yeah, exhaust. we got some exhaust. Yeah, it's a Boston. <laughs> we got some, it's a Boston some exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it and routes it up to the top part of the exhaust manifold where it's actually connected to the intake manifold and just runs hot air up to the intake manifold. Now, it's not actually- Does that help cold start? Or, or yes, what? it's not actually crossing into the, the intake stream. Do you have control over this or is this something that's- No, you do not. Okay. So, yes, it is a big counterweight on this butterfly valve. So normally it's shooting all this hot air up to basically bounce off of the intake manifold. It doesn't actually cross over into the intake stream. It's just heating the bottom of the manifold. Gotcha. That's probably loud. Is it, is it, it's like an exhaust leak. How is this? No, no, no. So it's not actually going out into the atmosphere. It's just your exhaust manifold is bolted directly oh, to the intake touching. manifold. Okay. Correct. Got it. Yes. Okay. So all the hot air goes up into the intake bottom of the intake manifold and then flows back down. So it's just warming the intake it's manifold. It's warming the intake manifold. So the thing isn't such a cold-blooded, exactly. awful vehicle to drive. Yes, exactly. And then there's these springs that when they heat up enough, they basically push against the counterweight and then turn the valve down so all the exhaust well, is bypassing like a, that loop. It's like an automatic down. choke. On a, like a, that you have on of. the side of a, a but like it's a, still even when it's down and not going around this weird loop, it's a huge restriction in yeah. the flow. And so all the hot rod guys are like, oh yeah, even just removing that and keeping the existing log manifold, you get ten to fifteen horsepower out of this thing. Yeah, but then it's a cold blooded pile. That yeah, just... but I'm not going to be driving it in the winter anyways. Yeah, I suppose it has a manual choke on the carb, so it's gonna start. Right. So I need to either. First of all, it's seized. I don't know if it's seized in the up position. Oh, no. <laughs> or the down position. Right. So I have to take it apart and probably get rid of this thing. How much is a header? That's the thing. Headers are only like 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I Things are put, so cheap on this thing. I would just put a header on that I thing and be done with it. About just it. get rid of that I'm completely. thinking about Especially it. Especially if you plan on doing side drafts later. Yeah. You're going to want the header. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. You're going to need that exhaust to flow past your uh, heat riser situation that's not going to work out No, well. exactly. So also, what was it? Tuesday. I came over, came up to your place. Yeah, I was like, We're sitting hey, there waiting for the manifold to come I, for your I car. Up, yeah, so it was scheduled delivery. As everybody knows, I got the... The manifolds I got the other day were, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but they were mismatched. Right. So they, they were, one was 38 millimeter, one was 35 millimeter. So I had to send the 35 millimeter one back and get the correct one. So I'm, I had my car all bolted together, had one carburetor bolted on with a fuel line hanging there, basically <laughs> ready to put the other manifold on. So I said, hey, Jake, why don't you come over and hang out and we'll get this thing running together. I thought it'd be Right, and so I was like going to get there between 11.15 and 3.15. So I got there around 2, and it didn't come until it didn't like come 4. In. And, of course, Jake could not sit still. He's just like bouncing all over the place. This, I tell you guys, this dude, <laughs> this dude cannot <laughs> just sit down. He can't. All of a sudden, he's like, he starts his 9.11 up, and he's revving it up. He's like, yeah, what do you think? Sounds kind of something going on with this. <laughs> and he's like trying to like tune his carburetor. So I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just sit down. It's beautiful weather out here. Just relax. Dude cannot relax. I was bored. This dude is like I was bored. Not relaxed. He, 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 you do not have a relaxed bone in your entire I'm, body. I am relaxed, but I have to be like in my own space and like have a beer in hand. I think that's why I like beer. 
just to like calm. And so I'm not like so anxious about doing stuff and like, like, oh, there's all these things I got to do. I could be doing and I should be doing. You need to find a way to turn your volume down. <sighs> yeah, just you got to chill. Even in the car, when we're on road trips and stuff, he's like in the seat kind of like scooching back and forth, <laughs> like rolling the window down a little bit more and then rolling it up a little yep, bit more. Yep, and yep, he's yep. like. He's like talking. I don't. I love people that talk on road trips because it helps pass the time. But, but Jake, let me tell you. But let me tell you what. It's like, it's like where's the mute button? Yeah, it's it's. It, you're not that much different than Fetter, to be honest. Um, I think Fetter's much worse. Uh, well, I wouldn't say worse. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just. It it's, sounds like you're complaining. I am not complaining. I'm just giving everybody the impression of Jake just pacing back and forth in front of my garage while I'm sitting on a chair on the basically just sitting there waiting yep. for the UPS guy to show up. And uh, sure enough, UPS truck rolls up just like every other time, stops at the end of my driveway. And I went on Instagram. I'm like, he's here. Yay! And then I put my phone down and he drove away. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. Oh my God. As Chris drives. is just freaking out. It was like, he's like, yes, joyous arms in the air. And then he starts to drive away and he just falls to his knees. No. <laughs> he drives away. I've been waiting. So this, this was prefaced by being waiting for this manifold for like, Three weeks. Yes. Three weeks of like, right. and this is the fourth thing I've tried. You know, yeah. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So I'm like, yeah. I couldn't sleep last night. I'm just waiting for, so I sprint to the edge of the driveway and I basically stick my fingers in my mouth and whistle as loud as I can. Yeah. Dude keeps driving. I'm like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> He's uh, barefoot, barefoot, mind you, barefoot. barefoot. So a gravel driveway. So I run back in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab my bike and I look at my bike pedals, which have spikes all over them. I'm, I'm barefoot. I'm like, yeah, maybe not the bike, <laughs> which is hanging over my car anyway. I'm like, no, not the bike. So then I run back down the driveway, get in the car, and drive down there. And I'm like, chasing I, this UPS driver yeah, angrily in his car. Yeah, and I, and I, <laughs> what's ironic is. She's basically delivering a gun to the next guy. I can tell it is a gun. The box is like <laughs> firearm. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, I, I hello, hi. Now, I'm not trying to rob the gun. She's like, are you from uh, 22225? I'm like, yes, I am. And she's like, oh, I thought I had something for you, but then I didn't see it right away. And I'm like, can you please check again? <laughs> she's like, hold on. So she delivers the gun to the guy who's looking at me strangely as I'm in my oh, car. Oh, he's out there. I basically pulled in front of the UPS truck. You know, like I it's drove like across in the Furious when they hijacked the big delivery truck. Yeah, you're hijacking the UPS truck for your own package. Like I, I basically pulled like a, like a cop would do. Yeah, like yeah, one yeah. would pull behind, the other one would pull in front. Yeah, I pulled right in front, cutting of like a, off the UPS a truck, forty five degree angle, and like got out. It was like ah. <laughs> Just thought I was crazy. Yeah. Oh my god! So I got, I'm like, yeah. She's like, hold on, let me check again. She's like, oh yeah, I do have a box. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, I bet you do. Thank you. I was At like, that point, she was gonna give you any box to get you out of there. Yeah, it could have been just like somebody's <laughs> shampoo or something. Who knows? Anyway, so I'm driving back like super satisfied. Like I got yeah. my manifold. I got out of the car yeah. and held it above my head at you. And it was, oh, Success! Man. Success! I, I thought I'm like, oh great, I'm gonna have to. Go pick it up later tonight. Jake wasted his time coming up here. There's yep. nothing to do because it's like an you hour You live so far away. From you, yes. Just from everything. I do. I do live really far away. And that's why, I mean, it's an 50 minutes for me just to drive here to the podcast. I know. I'm, I'm very far away. But I also enjoy being far away because I don't like people. I don't. <laughs> there's, my neighbors are kind of far away. I've got two and a half acres. I've got a three-car garage. Yep. And it was $165,000. And... That's awesome. I have no people driving on my street. 
It's just quiet. Well, that didn't stop you from putting out the old man sign. I did. <laughs> Jess and I talked about yeah, this. Yeah, it's... Uh, whole, this is a neighborhood, not a racetrack. Well, if people would drive really, really fast by okay. my house. Uh, well, we'll get to it after you're setting your car up. And as we drive by your own sign that says, this is not a racetrack, you're revving the piss out of this 911 trying to get that it run false. right. That's not true at all. Well, okay, even if you're true. puttering along, it sounds like it's like, what? Yes, it sounds like the pits of a racetrack. Yes. I'm driving like you would in the pits, yes. which is slow and safe. Just because <laughs> it sounds loud doesn't mean it actually is. And I try to be cognizant of that, too. I'm like, okay, that what is that truck? And I'm like, wait, it's just loud. And he's okay. I have kids, and I'm right on the corner, and I, I don't want them to get run over. So I'm just trying right. to get people no, to I get it. I just think it's down. ironic. It is slightly ironic. So, hey, we put the manifold on. Yep. We got the carbs on. Yep. Bolted everything together. Yep. Fired right up. No problem at all. Got right. the, I mean, it just idled mint. I mean, it was rich. Yep. Idled mint. Drove down the driveway. Started. I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. It just it's runs. And it's perfect. It's so smooth. And then it's the second I got on the throttle, it was dead. I mean, flat dead. Super lean popping, backfiring. Barely, not even. It wasn't even lean. It, there was nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, it just fell dead. on its face. Yeah, it fell on its face more than, I mean, this isn't even like you tried to stop yourself from falling, like put your arms out, break your wrist, it fall just, on your face. This is just like <laughs> dropping, taking a two by four, setting it on the ground and like letting it go and watching it fall on the ground. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Nothing. And I'm like, because I had this, I had this feeling of this surge of like, You're like pride. Yes, it's and working. Oh my god, this is amazing. Oh fuck. <laughs> so you turn around right away. Turn around like, right we away. We go anywhere. back. We adjust it. We try like a couple different things. Okay. It's actually, neat. no, we didn't turn around. We went actually on a pretty long loop. You're like, I don't know, maybe it'll. Yeah, it'll but I mean, it was get better cruising somehow. around. In the idle circuit, which I don't know why they call it an idle circuit. It shouldn't be called. It should be called low speed circuit. Some. Carbs, I think, do call it that. Yeah, because it is more than just idle. Yeah, so it's a low speed circuit. Anything below like 2,000, 2,500 RPMs is right. all this idle low speed circuit. Drives great, shifts great, everything yeah. is awesome. You can hear that it sounds pretty good. You can kind of rev it up just a little bit, and you can kind of get a feel for how awesome it could be. Yes, it's kind of like seeing a really attractive girl with her clothes on. <laughs> is kind of what I was experiencing right there. And you're like, and the you try to like. You try to like unzip the back of her dress and it's and just stuck. Nothing. It's stuck. It won't come <laughs> off. That's what I was basically experiencing with the carbs that wouldn't rub. Like, get a stupid zipper. <laughs> so we pull it back into the garage and we kind of tune things, try to tune things well, a little no, bit, add so, more fuel. Yeah. And so you're like, well, these are the idle jet or not the idle, the main jets that I was told would be all set. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, this should work. Something's wrong. And we're like, it has to be okay. lean. So, all right, we take out the main jets. And we put in the big, the biggest ones I have, one seventy fives that came with the carbs originally, right? From a some different guy that setup. had some like monster, right? Situation. Race motor, exactly the same. It eh. was a little different, slightly it sounded a little different, but same end result. So we're like, what's going on? It's super lean. It yeah. can't just be jetting. Like, we're talking twenty to one. The the meters. Well, like we didn't know at the time. We're like, all right, let's throw on the wide band. Mm -hmm. So we wire up the wide band. As you're sitting there filming me on my back under your car. <laughs> oh, Jake's setting up the wide band. In his Birkenstocks. Yeah, it's yeah. my garage shoes. So anyway, we put the, the, the bigger jets in almost the same. Slightly better. And there's a reason for that, which we can get into in a second. I'm like, okay. And I'm just kind of really defeated. Yeah. You're thinking about going home. I'm like, we're not going to figure it out now. And I don't want to be here all night. Yep. So I might as well say, cool. I'm yeah. done. And I, I understand. It's just... Because it's it was a total mystery. Like we just didn't know. We didn't know right. what else to check. What could we do? And I'm like, well, the 
only thing that we can do is take the carburetors apart. We checked timing again. I was like, maybe timing slipped and it's some weird byproduct that, but we basically were like, all right, the main fuel circuit is just not getting fuel. It's off. It is just not there. So I'm like, okay, something's clogged. Yep. Okay. Um, it turns out it was clogged by stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which gets in the way of fuel quite often. Apparently. Um, I actually heard, uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine. He's like, yeah, I know a guy that rebuilt a motor because of this problem <gasps> because they could not figure it out. And here's what it was. I took the carburetors apart and I took them all completely down and I'm, and I'm taking this, this is right when you got them. Because you had rebuilt them and took well, them apart. Well, yeah, I right cleaned them up. Them. They didn't really need to be rebuilt. But no, I, but I, you cleaned them originally. They had, been, they had gunky, yep. And then when you reassembled them. I screwed up. So when I was taking them apart on the bench, slowly, dejectedly, depressed. Yes. I was depressed about it. I'm like, I really just wanted like this to work. Nothing is obviously I, wrong. I really, I really wanted to rub this in Jake's face. But it was just, <laughs> I bolted them on and they just worked. Because uh-huh. I listened to the podcast where you said there's no possible way. Uh, that I was I would like, put oh, them I cannot wait for Chris to be dealing uh, with this crap. And here's the things that would have been great. Anyway, so I take the take the floats off. I'm like, here, Jake, set the floats. You go do that. I'm going to look at the um, carburetor or whatever. So Jake goes off to set floats with a with a, a, a tape measure for measuring, like, measurements if you're going to make clothes. Because uh, you give me shit about my tools. And I, first of all, even if you have the tool, you can't find it I anywhere. can't find anything right now. so messy. I can't find Your anything. Your whole workspace is so messy. You don't have any horizontal surfaces at all do you yeah. know how many workbenches i have in my it's, garage it's i have terrible. all of the workbenches it's terrible like right now is low morale in the garage i need a major regroup and i started looking at mm-hmm. i, I want to get a new toolbox yeah that has a workbench on top yeah i just I, I need a major regroup i have i have so many tools and i have so many nice tools but i can't find any of them i it's have 12 total. feet of counter surface on my main workbench and the whole thing underneath that is Here's all the drawers thing. and if then i have an upright toolbox i have built and screwed around and engine swapped and done so many things and so many cars in that garage and other garages Mm -hmm. that if you had done that many things i think that you'd have a little more of a messy thing i had a huge mess up until last year when you did a regroup regrouped everything i stripped everything out i'm gonna take everything i'm gonna take well that's that's another thing is i don't want to i don't want to give my wife too hard of a time because she took everything out of the garage everything Mm -hmm repainted my garage and put everything back in that was my uh basically a present to me sure it was super awesome but there was there's a little bit of a, i don't know where shit is now well Which, maybe you should have said thanks for doing all this now i will clean up my own shit uh yes but I, she she said do you want me to do that and i said i said yes but i don't want to have to help you i don't want to do any of this because <laughs> for me i kind of liked it the way that it was okay now i like it much better because it's bright and it's white and i and yeah. i really enjoy it in hindsight i wish i would have helped put things away a little bit more and i just it's things get misplaced and she did a really great job i mean who else's wife is gonna empty their garage and then reorganize it and put it all back in there for them yeah, i mean no, it's unbelievable she's she's the as you guys can tell, I mean, she went to the junkyard and pulled a wiring harness <laughs> I love that out of a story. Mark II Golf for me. I <laughs> oh, honey, go do this. I'm, I'm and busy she, doing something and she, else. I don't remember what it was, but I was probably working, honestly. But she did it. She went to the junkyard, figured it out before yeah. this is like, you couldn't just go on YouTube websites and, and figure out how to. She figured it out. She pulled all the wiring harness off, didn't cut anything. I mean, fucking awesome. Yeah. Right? So She's cool. amazing. Anyway. I need to regroup in the garage. There's no question about right. it. Anyway, it's hard to find tools right now. It's, that was a huge tangent. So I was measuring the floats. I set all the floats with the cloth measuring tape for measure, making clothes. Right, my actual metal. You know what I ended up doing is I was like, all right, this isn't going to work. So I need to it's measure something. 
on this so I can use that as an actual measuring device. That's what I thought about last night when I was naked in my garage redoing my throttle linkage. Yeah. Yeah. So I used a zip tie and cut it to length. Perfect. Um, <laughs> although the floats aren't quite perfect. I'll blame, I can blame you for that. Um, they need to be done again. Well, they were perfect when I did them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that stuff is just... It's probably not an exact science. They're probably also like laterally twisted in some ways where I don't think that... that car, doesn't your car have a little bit of a rake to it? Uh, no, it does not. Okay. My my, It should be pretty level. Anyway, taking the carbs apart gave you the floats. And I'm kind of like... I started to pull the Venturis out. And the way that these work is you have... Now, this, that is your secondary Venturi, a.k.a. your atomizer. Right. So basically the fuel, that's where the fuel goes into the carburetor. For the main circuit, yep. yes. Unless you're using... I mean, it's got... In this Venturi, the secondary Venturi, which sits above the primary Venturi, which is kind of like the, the shiny one. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the shiny one that sits below. This one kind of looks like a, how would you explain it? It's it's uh, it's a smaller tube that sits atop the main throat of the carburetor. Right. And, and so that basically creates- has a, 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 what, a, what would you call it? It's a, a nozzle. A nozzle that the fuel goes into. Correct. Okay? So that's what helps atomize the fuel. Anyway, so um, on the north side, I'll use try and use some- I'll use top. On the top side, if you're looking down, the top, looking flat at the carburetor, there is a pump. And that is when you when you hit the, the gas accelerator pass, pump. The accelerator pump, it squirts gas in there. Right. And on the left side is an orifice, which right. is uh, where the fuel comes through. That's drawn through the emulsion tubes, everything like that, pulls yep. fuel through and pulls it and shoots it into this Venturi so that you can drive the car and it combusts fuel. Right. I had this thing 180 degrees off. <laughs> and here's the thing, the not I, each one is is two of them are the same and yep. one of them is different. Right, and it is possible to put the wrong one in one slot, which then means that two of them right. on one carburetor are in the wrong spot, which means that the fuel is not getting to the secondary. It's, it literally hits at all. just a block. Off it is there's none. Yeah. So I had two cylinders essentially running correctly which is why when we out of the six out of the six yeah which is why when we added like way more fuel got like a little bit better like right a little bit better (laughs) but so basically i'm like okay this is great nothing is better than going hey i know what the problem is right i can fix this that's one of the best feelings ever is when you identify a problem feel really bad that you don't know what you're doing and then somehow (laughs) find the problem so that's I when I was it. like, all right, I'll stick around. Yeah. So Jake's like, oh, he got excited again. Like the energy level was back. Yo. He was no longer like dragging his Birkenstocks around the garage, Jake. He was, <laughs> he was, he was now, yeah, Jake. Yeah. And he, had, he had come back. You have, you have quite, quite, uh, you're quite mood swingy. Um, so then I, I put the carburetors back together and realized I had to take the other one apart to check uh-huh. that one. Yeah. Put them back on and it runs almost perfect. It was really good. It is really good. And it moves. It's actually quite a bit faster now than when you drove it. What or did you when do? you drove it with me, adjusted the timing. Because the timing was set at zero degrees before top dead center. I now have it set at eight degrees before top oh, center. Wow. So I've moved the entire timing range up, and I have no detonation either. Wow. At the, I couldn't, with the CIS, I couldn't adjust the timing any more than it already is. I would. I took it out, flogged it. Oh, I hear a little bit of detonation, which sounds yeah. like a, I don't know if anybody's ever heard detonation. It almost sounds like, like an electric pulse. Like, Have you heard like a, Ignition timing detonation. Not the way you're describing it. It's like this little tinny, it's like this weird detonation sound, at least for my car, that's what it sounds like. So then I would go out and I'd rotate the timing back. So I'd drive as hard as I could, move the timing up until I heard it, and I would turn it back. Yeah. That was my way of adjusting the (laughs) the timing on that. And so then I I said, okay, well, carbs need a little bit more timing. So I dialed in a little bit more timing, 
and it's awesome. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is really, really, really good. And we put the wideband on it after it was running right, and it, it, the mixtures were the main just circuit, spot on. The main circuit mixture is very good at like 12 and a half to one. Yep. It's very, very good. The the idle circuit when was we had it- Was a little fat. Was fat, but I've dialed that way down. Okay. I've dialed that way back. I have a flat spot at about 2,800 RPMs, which is the natural progression from- uh, low circuit to main circuit. So how are you fixing that? So there's, um, when you roll in and you hit the gas, the throttle actuates a little cam, right? which is what pushes on the diaphragm of the accelerator, the accelerator pump, pump and goes and like squirts the fuel in. It is literally just, it's like someone- a stream of fuel. It is a stream of, actual stream of fuel. Like someone turns a little tiny faucet on. Yes. Beep, you know, it's almost think about it as like a well pump where you hit the, the you hit the, the exactly. lever on the well pump yep. and the water squirts out once. Yep. You know, that's basically what this is. And it's operated, you can the duration and amount of fuel that you get is operated by this little uh it looks almost like a little hatchet. Sure. Okay. So it, it rotates on this little arm, just like a camshaft would, right, and pushes on the diaphragm and squirts the fuel in. The there's been an update to the carbs. Oh. I have the old hatchet. Okay. I, need, I need the new hatchet, which introduces fuel at a little earlier in your pedal throw. Interesting. So it squirts a, the same amount of fuel yep. over a longer period of time, gotcha. starting sooner in yep. the pedal travel. That makes sense. So that will that should help that transition period because right now it is awesome. I yep. mean, it is Dude, it's great. It sounds so. I should have recorded a clip or something, but yeah, we really did. It sounds so good, and it pulls all the way. My red line right now is seven, and it's it's there. It's yeah. no problem. Plus, I also adjusted the shift linkage. Can you get any the, more revs out of that safely? My motor, yeah, yeah, it's tuned up for eight. I can well, rev mine. Come eight. on, let's let's crank her up. I'm just gonna leave it alone for now. I'm just kidding. No, it's fine. <laughs> come on, Chris. Later, later. Well, I can't see the thing is I can't find. Uh, a, a a rotor mm-hmm. that has a higher RPM limit. We talked about this. You can like you can stretch it a little bit and fine tune it. Yeah, my my other one, my previous distributor would rev up to about or distributor rotor would rev up to about seventy two hundred because it was worn out. Right, exactly. Yeah, but the, the spring stretches. But the connecting uh, the actual electro where that connects with the right. the cap was really worn, yep. so I didn't want to do that. And I looked. I'm like, can I swap these caps? But no, there's like this resin that kind of holds everything yep, together. Exactly. You can't really take them apart. Which is kind of a bummer. Anyway, I'm really excited. I just it sounds it's phenomenal. Really cool. It pulls all the way to seven hard. I redid the the throttle linkage, which is a nightmare. I did that. <laughs> so I couldn't I was laying in bed last night and I know you don't like that I watch TV in bed. But I watched. You TV. shouldn't do that. Well, I don't sleep with the TV on. So I did a little bit of research, and you said, <laughs> "You well, your wife's a doctor, so yeah. she said you're not supposed to do that." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm going to look into this." I turn the TV off and go to sleep. Okay. The problem is, is leaving the TV on and then going to sleep because the lights are shining through your eyelids and there's blue light and it's yeah. this thing. But I turn it off anyway. So I turn the TV off, and I go, "Man, that throttle feels like dog shit." because <laughs> it really did the throttle pedal felt like total dog shit just terrible and it was really a short travel to move yep. to move that whole linkage really far i'm moving only moving the pedal maybe an inch and a half right just horrible it felt bad i'm like all right i'm getting up <laughs> i'm i sleep naked so i go out there and probably 45 minutes later i've got it dialed in <laughs> i'm like in the garage like buck naked like with my you didn't my, even put on shorts no shorts no <laughs> shoes nothing 
just laying on the floor. I got a big grease stain on my butt. Oh my goodness! Laying on the floor. I took a shower after that though, because I didn't want to, you know, climb into the sheets. White covered sheets. It. Yeah, yeah. Not not a good plan. So anyway, so there's the way that this works is you have um, what are these called? Heim joints. Yeah. So basically, it's a ball. Well, it's not a heim joint. Because a heim joint is it's the one sealed; where, it doesn't yeah, come off. Right. So this is just like a ball end. Yeah. It goes over a little uh, uh, a ball and socket joint. Yeah, ball and socket. So it goes on, and each side of the ball and socket joint has it's adjustable, so you can lengthen it and shorten it. Right. So you can make uh, the entire linkage longer or shorter. Right. The problem is, is that you can adjust it at the pedal. Yep. There's one at the pedal. There's one on the the where the pedal connects, where that rod from the pedal connects to the rod that goes through the car. Right. There's one at that end. There's also one at the other end. And then one on each carburetor. No, there's more. There's actually so let me finish. Okay. There's one that goes to a <clears throat> a lever that's on the 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 bell crank, the bell housing. Okay. Where, where yep. it connects. And yeah, then yeah. there's another arm which adds mechanical advantage from there. Ah. And then that has like a um goes all the way up to the carburetor and then right. there's another one. And then there's two more on yep. another short rod, and there's four more on the carburetors, <laughs> okay? So you, it's this delicate dance of like, okay, I want more pedal travel. Right. So I need to lengthen, and I want the pedal to come up. Right. Because like when we went for a drive. It was like on the floor. It was on the floor. You couldn't roll your foot over and tap the gas. Right. I like being able to have half of my foot on the brake pedal, yep. and then as I push down hard, I like rolling my foot over to the right, and blipping the throttle. That's how I heel toe. I don't move my heel back right. and forth. No, and that's how most people do. And so I just roll my foot over, and I couldn't do it. As you noticed, I was, I'm like, I locked up the brakes. So yeah. I'm trying to, I'm like, how much farther do I need to push the pedal down to like, you just couldn't do it. So that was a whole process that I did in the middle of the night. Now I have a lot, probably 300% more pedal travel. It feels much, much better. Okay. And I also put the floorboard back in. So oh, now my go. throttle stop is not the carburetor anymore. Yeah, because you don't pedal. want the you don't want the linkage on the carburetor to be the stop. You don't right. want to be stressing out any of those ball joints or any of that other stuff. So anyway, the car is running great. I want to get my new hatchets in. I've got a few other things I want to do. Um, my my battery doesn't is dead. My it's six years old. Oh. I need to get a new battery. So I call up uh, Interstate. Yep. Order a new battery. Or I have my friend uh, call up Interstate. It's discontinued. The battery that I have is discontinued. It's no good anymore. So then I basically took the one out of my out of the truck, the diesel truck. And <laughs> That's I just, right. I have it sitting in front of the gas tank. Yeah. With like a rag wrapped around the positive terminal. Yeah. Super safe. Oh, dude, my uh, my oil thermostat uh, works. Oh, you got it hot enough? I got it hot enough. I got the fan to come on. The fan comes on at about 210. Oh, nice. Oh, dude, it's so awesome. I wouldn't flog the hell out of the thing, and it went maybe 220. Wow. Which is just amazing because it would roll up to 250 quick. I mean, wow. that road that you came to my house on, by yeah. the time yep. when you turn right to come on it to the, the stoplight or even the end of the turns, I couldn't drive that whole thing spiritedly without my car overheating. <laughs> so I, I, it is so good to be able to just not worry about that. Um, I need a catch can. Yes, um, I told you this. I drained a lot of the oil out. I actually put too much oil in. I overfilled it. Right. So it wasn't the fact that my oil gauge wasn't pegging because it wasn't working. It was because there was too much oil. <laughs> so I drained probably three or four quarts of oil out. Oh, jeez. I mean, there's 10 quarts of oil in that thing. That three and four. Yeah, but three or four is still way too much. Three, it was full. I had it at the right mark. I don't like having it at full. Okay. So there, it goes from five to eight. Okay. I like having it way down by the red. Okay. Way down by the red because it doesn't smoke on startup. <clears throat> and then when it gets hot, it expands and comes up, and you want to be kind of yeah, in the no, middle. Gotcha. You don't want to, you don't want oil coming back through um, my new breather. I just took like a little can end filter and went. <laughs> I saw that. 
and like popped it on there. And there's like, it's kind of steamy. You can see the oil coming oh, yeah. out of it. So I got to get a catch can for it. Um, my gas gauge is kind of questionable. If you put too much gas in it, it has like a little party where it's like dancing around. It's like, I'm full, I'm medium, I'm full. And it's just like dancing all over the place. Um, and I probably should get an alignment. Yeah. Considering the whole front of my car was has been disassembled. Oh, good but, point. But yeah, it does, you definitely need an alignment. It drives straight, and the yep. steering wheel is in the same position, which is slightly off than it was before. <laughs> so it, it's, it's got to be it's So everything went close. back together. Yeah, so I'm, I want to take you for a drive after we finish the podcast, or just let you drive it so you can kind of see what, it, what it's like now. But it's fun. It's not quite there yet. Okay. I still think there's uh, some stuff to figure out with the hatchet. And uh, once I get that done, I think I'll be able to fix the timing a little bit better. Sure. And I'm not sure. I didn't sink. <laughs> I was looking at the process for syncing the carburetors. Yeah. They have to be the same. Right. You know, there's two linkages, right? It's two separate carburetors. So the linkages have to be matched up. Right. So when you open one, it opens up the other one the same. Right. Otherwise, bad shit. Right. It's not good. So the process for, um, you you just put the, the synchrometer in yep. and you can measure vacuum. You're like, okay, this one's measuring you know, 6 HG or whatever it is, and the other one's measuring the same. Good, they're synced. But you also have to sync them at like 3,000 RPMs. Mm. So you have to rev it up I've never done and that. then sync it. And the manual says, take your plastic hammer and whack the mount where the linkage mounts to. What? Yeah, it literally says, take your plastic hammer and wail on it. Why? Because you... I, I don't know. It's what it says. It why, says. Why are you hammering on the linkage? Hold on. Let me see if I can find that. Control engine speed using the front to rear throttle rod that connects the bell crank to the throttle crossbar. Okay. Okay. This is important since controlling the throttle position by hand in this fashion replicates how the throttles are actuated while driving. So basically you're grabbing the linkage. Yeah, I got gotcha. Way downstream. Yep. And pulling it that way. Um, hold the engine speed at 3,000 RPM, and while doing so, use your synchrometer to determine the airflow on cylinders one and four. Right. If the readings do not match, then use a plastic hammer to advance or retard throttle timing by striking the throttle crossbar mounting plates. What? <laughs> so they rotate in a fore and aft direction. So they have like a little bit of play okay. on them. So basically, you, you snug them up. Uh, it says snug not too tight when you're putting them on. The directions say don't over tighten okay. these so then you you whack it and it should slip a little bit oh seriously and then that will move the, the throttle arm forward or backward to give you like you whack just tap it, it. Yeah. which just seems like what how is there not a better way <laughs> why don't you just adjust the balls right on the thing and exactly. just have it open a little bit more? nah just whack it that's much faster whacking is always is always, <laughs> always a lot faster that, that is very true so do you think we should we have pike's peak next week that's right should we take the car should we take these things and drive your cars out there i was looking forward to the macan being super comfy but now you have your car you know it sounds a lot more interesting to take fun cars yeah yeah we'll have to figure that out well we will tell you what let's look at the weather right the weather That's looks the nice we'll take the because they said even on the mountain if it's nice it can be hailing up there right well we're not i don't think we're going crazy on the mountain we're gonna hang out in the pits try and meet people get some yeah. interviews Get some experience in, see what it's like. And the best part is there's no spectators. I know. That will be So it's nice. going to be really, really empty. It'll be kind of a low-key. I think it'll be like a low-key kind of kind of eerie feeling. Yeah. And I think it'll be, will, will be really, really nice. All right. Before we get on to kind of 
the history of the carburetor. What right. have you got for us? Yeah, let's talk about our sponsor, Oberk. Oberk is a Midwest manufacturer of polishing compounds and supplies that's research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. Oberk products are designed to decimate swirls, holograms, and oxidation on your vehicle's paint. Right now, Oberk is offering 20% off any order online with the code OVERCREST. The discount code is good not only on OberkCarCare.com, but also on CarSuppliesWarehouse.com and even on DetailedImage.com. I love this product. It's so easy to use. It is truly developed and researched and created just to be able to work. And Chris, you need to uh, get to get to work on your car with this stuff, I think. You mentioned you were going to be polishing it up. Yeah, it does need it, you know, especially since we dragged the cord from the wide band all over the side <laughs> of the car. True. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to we're going to go over the thing. You know, I I washed it with the kids yesterday. I saw they, that. They, they did an average to poor job <laughs> as a six-year-old would do. But I, I gave them lots of encouragement. But yeah, I need to go over and, and polish the car. I need some new pads and stuff like that. Everything's getting kind of worn out. So yeah, we're going to... Um, I've well, used half of it. I mean, it's half gone. Yeah. I've used it a, a lot of times. It's great. Yeah. Do you like to know a little bit about the history of the carburetor? Yes. Since we're calling this the carburetor episode. Yes, absolutely. Because you can only know more about what you're working on when you know the history behind it. I like that. Yeah. So the word carburetor itself comes from the French carburet, which means to combine <laughs> with carbon. It sounds very romantic. Well, it's not a cabaret. It's a carburet. You both sound great to me. Yes, it does. Um, oh, drinking one, one will kill you. The other one is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. How are you going to drink a carburetor? Yeah, well. All right. So the first rudimentary carburetor was invented by Samuel Moret in 1826. Now, he basically just heated various fuels and realized that the vapors coming off of them were more explosive than the liquid fuels themselves. So he so, didn't really invent the carburetor. He just invented lighting gas vapor on fire. Right. As far as I can tell, he didn't actually design and any sort of And he was a 10-year-old boy when he did this. Because, <laughs> because we've all been there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I remember making liquid napalm back in oh, the day. Oh, where you do styrofoam and styrofoam gasoline. Styrofoam and gas, you just like throw it at stuff and then start it on fire and just go, yeah. ha, ha. I remember like <laughs> dumping it on ants and just laying oh, yeah. them on every, fire. Oh, yeah, every 10-year-old just... boy is a pyromaniac. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Exactly. So the first person to patent an actual device for use in a internal combustion engine was this guy named Siegfried Marcus in 1872. So it he... took almost 50 years for somebody to say, hey, let's... Let's actually do something Let's do with something this. something with this explosion? More or less. Okay. Yes, when it comes to the carburetor, at least. Uh, his design was still a far cry from what we think of as a modern carburetor, though. His early design was known as a surface-type carburetor. And what that means is it basically just drew air over a reservoir of fuel and pulled the vapors off the surface. So think about a bowl of gasoline sitting in front of you and just blow on it. And what comes out the other side is the fuel mixture, which right. is not at all precise so or efficient. You've got to keep in mind that right now, everybody's comparing to the steam engine. True. So the, you've got this like super horrible, just like this situation that's yeah. happening with this. But compared to a steam engine, like, ah, this has some. This oh, has no. Some, terrible. Oh, come terrible on. compared to a steam. At this point. Yeah. I guess. At this point. Terrible. But it's got potential, that's Chris. It, it it's does. got potential. But that's why it took 50 years from some guy to go, oh, yeah, this stuff explodes, to, oh, let's explode it in something. Right. It took Before, a long time. they were probably like, well, maybe we can make a steam engine burn hotter. Right. 
Um, then there was also a carburetor patent made by Carl Benz himself. That name may sound familiar. Yeah, the inventor in of the grandpa car. 1888, correct. He, <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> then Frederick William Lancaster of Birmingham, England, experimented with a wick type carburetor. I love the idea of this. So it's literally, think of- It's like an oil lamp. It, yeah, think of an oil lamp or a candle, which draws fuel up the wick. So this is literally just gasoline being drawn up a wick, and then you just blow through a tube where that wick is sitting. You're just basically trying to find the best way to evaporate. Yeah, that's all you're doing yeah. is evaporating the fuel. That's a terrible idea. We know way better. Well, now we do, but at the time, how much better is that than just like blowing over a bowl of fuel? Yeah, well, it's a lot more efficient than having your your uh, your secondary venturis backwards. It probably works a lot, <laughs> yeah, it works you, a lot better. See, if you had had a wick type carburetor, you would have been good to go. Then, Chris, in 1885, so how many years forward are we? That is 12, 13 years. Okay. William Maybach and Gottlieb Daimler developed a float type carburetor based on the atomizer nozzle That's how principle. we know it today. Yes, this finally became a design for the basis that is virtually all carburetors there are today. Now, the modern carburetor works on Bernoulli's principle, Chris. Oh, who's Bernoulli? Bernoulli was a famous uh, scientist. That liked gas. No, it's, it has to do with fluid dynamics. Oh, fluid dynamics. Okay, yeah, so, fluid dynamics guy. Yep, so the faster air moves, the lower its static pressure. Okay, so what do you in, mean by that? So that means the faster air is moving. This is how an airplane works. Is also based on Bernoulli's principle. So the faster air over a surface creates a vacuum right. or less dense pressure. So with an airplane wing, it has to go faster over the top due to the shape. So yep. it's less dense and basically it's being lifted. Right. That's how lift push. It's being created. pushed up underneath the wing. Correct. Uh, so the same principle is used in a carburetor. The throttle actuates a mechanism which meters the flow of air being carried into the engine, usually being a butterfly valve. Air is drawn through a venturi, which is a choke or throat in the carburetor body. The air facing this narrower channel is forced to speed up. And according to our friend Bernoulli's principle, the faster moving air now has a lower pressure. You're creating a vacuum. The lower pressure air is passed over a nozzle, which draws the fuel into the airstream due to the vacuum of the lower pressure air. Ta-da! You have a fuel mixture, Chris. Right. Way better than a wick. Yes, the speed of this airflow and therefore the static pressure determines the amount of fuel drawn into the airstream. So this volume of air is then controlled via a throttle or restrictor plate of some sort, generally a butterfly valve. However, as we know on a lot of race engines, you have like slide, slide valves. Because yeah. then there's nothing in the way at all. Yeah, you just slide it out of the way. Right, because a butterfly, awesome. even when a butterfly is all the way open, you still have a rod and the butterfly in the way. Even though it's a thin profile. You still have that cross section, yeah. right. Uh, earlier carburetors used an updraft design where the air enters from below the carburetor and exits up through the top into the intake manifold. This had the advantage of never flooding the engine as any liquid fuel that kind of accumulated would just drop out the bottom. Right. And it also led itself to the use of an oil bath air cleaner. If you know anything very about this very British. Uh, old Volkswagens also had oil bath air cleaners Explain that. as what well. So a pool of oil is in the element in this case, below the carburetor or on top of the carburetor where an air filter would generally be. The 
air is then sucked up through this oil bath, which collects any of the dirt or particles in it. So you have an oily air mixture, but it's effective in a time when paper air filters basically did not exist. Right. Then, beginning in the late 1930s, downdraft carburetors were the most popular type for automotive use, especially in the United States. Now we're talking like a Holly car, like a four-barrel yeah. carburetor. Well, even the Webers we're using, or PMOs, or my Zeniths, are technically a downdraft carburetor. So it's, it's a just, little single thingamajiggy on your truck. Correct. Right. Yeah, the Rochester single, the the, the monojet is what that's called. The monojet. Because it's a single barrel, single jet carburetor. That's a really elegant way of saying this is the lamest carburetor ever. <laughs> the Rochester <laughs> monojet. Yeah. Uh, in Europe then, on the other hand, the carburetor uh, that replaced downdraft was a side draft carburetor. For space, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah just, they're all inline engines over there. And so they were like, well, we can just hang this off the side. This works much better than having to do some big top, you know, upright scenario. And who, was it Weber that had the first side drafts or Delordo? Do you know? I do not know which came it gotta first. got to be one of the two. Yeah. Uh, from there, all manner of design variations have been used, all based on the same principle of Venturi and atomizer nozzle. Now, one thing to note is that the size of this main Venturi dictates not only the air speed and pressure drop, but also effectively limits how much air can be drawn through to the engine. It is, after all, a restrictor. Basically, you, can, you can't have, you don't want it to be too big, though, either. Because right. you can't, then you won't have proper vacuum. Yeah. And it'll just be a dog at the lower so RPM. So the Venturi basically needs to be matched to the application. Too small Venturi, and the engine will be starved for air fuel. But too large, on the other hand, and the air will not reach the velocity needed for the required pressure drop and will run poorly. That's what you're talking about. Right. And this is actually what I think is going on with my 911 carbs now. And that's why I am going to be trying some uh, 30 millimeter Venturis from 34, which I have currently. You know I think Venturi, I just you know what size Venturi's I have. Thirty eights. Thirty eights. Nuts. Yeah. yeah, but you have an extra liter of displacement over me. Right. That's significant. That is hugely significant. Yeah. I'm going from twenty seven and a half millimeter Venturi's stock. Okay. So thirty four. So, oh, was so you went from twenty seven to thirty four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think because it runs great in the high revs full oh, sure. throttle, but anything below that, it's like popping and backfiring and just not drivable. Sure. I think it doesn't have the air speed required to create that vacuum in the Venturi. Um, there is an interesting solution to this problem, though, and that's the use of constant velocity carburetors, commonly known as CV carbs. Are you familiar with this, Chris? Yeah, these are like snowmobiles. Cars. Exactly, yeah. They can be found in motorcycles, snowmobiles, cars. They, they were used in some cars, usually uh, British. I think SU carbs are generally CVs. Um, so what happens is, as airspeed increases... So rather than the Venturi effect being induced by a permanent restrictor, CV carbs have a slide that allows air to pass underneath it independent of the throttle plate. So as airspeed increases, and so too does vacuum across the Venturi slide, the vacuum signal is then routed to the top of the slide, which pulls it farther open. This then allows more air to enter, maintaining a constant velocity of air across the atomizer nozzle regardless of the volume of air entering it. so why do why does nobody use these except british dorks I mean, why <laughs> did, like... well here's here's another benefit of these things they basically automatically uh, adjust for atmospheric pressure and air density because of this right because it's all dependent on how much vacuum it's blowing right so like rejetting carburetors to go up in altitude you don't have to do that on these things you probably do a little bit but it's they not... said virtually no wow really yeah so 
the main disadvantage of this design is their slow throttle response, since the Venturi slide needs to basically react so to there's the difference lag. in air. There's, there's a huge lag. lag. Yep. And they also are inherently less efficient than a static traditional car. But in other words, you could get more peak power out of the same engine wearing a traditional carb than a constant velocity. Well, there's your answer. Yeah. The Italians and the Germans, all they wanted to do was the motor power. Yeah. yeah, all the freaking British guys were worried about us getting to yeah. the, wherever they could buy wiring connectors. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> Regardless, all these designs basically became irrelevant when fuel injection was perfected. And it's interesting to note, in the U.S. market, the last cars ever to use carburetors were... Most notably in the 1990s, you had the Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser, the Buick Estate Wagon, the Cadillac Brougham. Broham. Is it a Broham? I think it's a Broham. Uh, yeah. uh, I say model, Broham because that's like, that's like you. Broham. <laughs> the base model Honda Prelude actually had a carburetor really? in 1990. The Subaru Justy up until 1991. Uh, also in 91, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer with its V8 engine used a carburetor. And up till 1994, Chris, you could get an Isuzu truck with a carburetor. The vacuum systems to make carburetor cars uh, like carb compliant, right? Are insane. the emission systems? They are insane. I used to call them vacuum operated computers because there's just so many vacuum lines. It's unbelievable. And going into like usually a box that you have no idea what this box does, and it runs for about six minutes, and then that's the end <sighs> of that. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed the carburetor episode. I want to remind you to stop over at Patreon and support the show. Patreon.com/slash/overcrest. Jake and I are off to road uh, to road America, off to Pikes, Pikes Peak. Peak. Pikes Peak next week, so we'll be doing our podcast from there i assume about our trip out and what we've seen and what's going on absolutely we really really look forward to seeing you guys on friday take care